Today's episode is sponsored by Brooklet Games. Go to patreon.com backslash Brooklet Games for a new zine every month. Coming soon, Gabico. Four-story, 33-room fortress to explore. Three interconnected faction. Dungeon procedural with gravitational disruption. Seven distinct fey goblins. Eleven creature bestiary. 28 NPCs with dispositions, appearance, story, and desires. Much more. Go today to patreon.com backslash Brooklet Games. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined today by hosts, Light. Hey, everyone. How you doing today? Our other host, Cold Jake. Hello. And our special guest, Jim Wampler of Mud Puppy Games. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. It's, it's great to have you. Uh, we're excited because we've been playing one of your games on Friday nights, and, and Cold Jake's been running that, and that's mutant crawl classics <laughs> that's awesome and jake as long as you don't ask me rules is written questions because those crack me up and i don't even run my own game rules is written <laughs> my answer to everything is going to be do what you want do whatever's fun that's awesome yeah I, uh, I play it pretty loose with the rules i just kind of let them do whatever they want so i want to hit on mud puppy games has scientific barbarian you've been putting out for a few years now and i know that there was a there was a Kickstarter, and I'm excited to get that omnibus edition of this. Can you tell us a little bit about that publication you've been doing through there? I uh, sure I wouldn't be doing my job if I couldn't tell you about it. Uh, <laughs> so, Scientific Barbarian, uh, it's it's growing and it's changing. Its intention is to be a uh, system neutral post-apocalyptic game uh, zine. Mag I call it a magazine because they're really little paperback books and. The two that uh, are currently late, but about to come out, issue four, and then the omnibus with the first four issues, uh, it just, it grew like a weed, and I got overambitious, and that's why I'm late on this one, but they're done, and the PDFs will be out to the backer soon. Um, it, it naturally has a Mutant Crawl Classics flavor, because everything I write is going to be that way, but we're getting <laughs> some good stuff in. Um, Paysetter has a new uh, post-apocalyptic game coming out called Gamma X. So next issue after this one, will have some stuff from there. And uh, if you're listening, everybody's invited to the table. If you want to write something for Darwin's World, send it in. <laughs> so, so you're saying that that's for the next issue of Scientific Barbarian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. So everybody heard that. I know there's a lot of great creative folks that are out there that listen to this. So, uh, so check that out now. Where are we going to start in this discussion? Because we, we talk, we want to talk mutant crawl classics. Do we want to talk about what kind of contents in that scientific barbarian? Because there's a lot of things we can talk about in the show today. <laughs> Other, I'll talk about anything you want to talk about. I'm curious to know what's in that because I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, is that is that a is that like a zine size or is that going to be an eight and a half by eleven or is that a um, it's the same dimension, so still six by nine format, but it's a yeah. hardback book with a Smithsonian binding real you know the way you want it to be and it just contains the four issues and some bonus content in the back that is uh primarily a uh, uh ed bigford gallery and how, how the the omnibus is how many pages <sighs> 440 is that wow. just gonna come in like a little box <laughs> it's just gonna be <laughs> yeah yeah I have, I have i have a big box <laughs> i've gone ahead and ordered the shipping boxes and they're gonna... they're deep it's just going to be a, a box, like a square book all the way around. No, I'm just kidding. That's it's not, a, I mean, that's a form factor 
you know, you can see, especially in indie gaming, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Reed Filippo's uh, did an omnibus of Crawling Under a Broken Moon, and it'll be about that size. That's awesome. I'm, I'm excited. I got a spot for it. I know exactly where it's going on my shelf, but that, 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 uh, that basics, uh, that big bowl basics co- omnibus collection I got from that zane is where it's going. I know exactly. So where it's will you be, uh, offering extra copies to like local retailers and such as well too? Sure. I'm not, I, I'm not, my print runs don't support getting into main, uh, brick and mortar distribution, but I'm headed that way. So in the meantime, uh, like in the Kickstarter, there's a retailer pledge and, uh, through our web store, if you get a hold of me, I'll, uh, figure out a, you know, a, a wholesaler discount coupon and hook you up. There's, there's, I don't know, maybe four or five stores that do that with me already. Yeah. You know, we're looking forward to seeing it over like, let's say Yacht Quest or Gateway. Oh, it'll de- he was a retail level pledge so it'll definitely be at uh yada quest and uh, gateway just started carrying some of my books so it should show up there too also i yeah. said it backwards it's gateway that'll have it for sure and i and i believe yada quest yeah I, I was gonna say i'm assuming that todd will have it up there at least i was hoping well he's he definitely was the one who who uh turned me on to the meet and crawl classics too was pointing that out when that came out <laughs> this is kind of weird because podcasts are so national and i'm used to talking to people in wisconsin and texas and we're all yeah. local yeah yeah <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like 10 minutes apart from you yeah <laughs> so we go to the same places yeah exactly yeah well, most of the people i talk to are not from around the region that we are so we're all everybody listen there we're from the cincinnati area so we all know the same stories and everything else is great well i mean i my nickname for cincinnati is lake geneva south because we've got <laughs> iron iron wind metals me uh, the, the the whole area is just lousy with the uh, zines and indie publishers well, back in the 90s and stuff, Ralph Partha was out here, too. That's was, how I met Tim when uh, he moved down here uh, to do uh, Adventure Gaming Magazine. It, his office was inside the Ralph Partha offices. Oh, well, wow. You might remember this. down Back in the 90s, there was, uh, it, it's, it was, what's that? It's Ralph Galbraith. You go down Galbraith, you take the exit, you go right, you go straight down Galbraith, and then you go left right there where like, the Kroger and stuff is. There was a game store down there, and That's a bunch a, um, of the Ralph Partha guys used to go. There was like a little house. Oh, and it what was, was there that forever. store called? Uh, it's like Hamilton Avenue, maybe? It wasn't ABC Games, because ABC Games, I think, was in Blue Ash. I know the exact <laughs> one you mean, and the problem is uh, I went to college in Louisville, so I get the two cities mixed up. Games and more or games a lot, something like that. I had a sticker when I when I was in the nineties. I was uh, when I when I because I was a basement dweller in high school. My parents and I went to high school in the nineties, and I had a sticker from them on my wall. I can't remember what the sticker said. <laughs> so I'll, I'm sure most people don't care about the local gaming scene in Cincinnati. I'm going to ask <laughs> about Dungeon Crawl Classics. So what got you? Like, how did you get your start into writing games in general? Where do you come from originally, and how did you get to now? I'm going to do this as briefly as possible. I started with the with gaming and D&D in 79, and right away, me and a writer buddy started hawking our wares everywhere we could. So we got a couple things in an old uh, magazine from Judges Guild called Pegasus Magazine, and we just walked into Tim's office one day, no snail mail, no <laughs> nothing, unannounced, and said, here, print our stuff. So uh, <laughs> that was the start. And then, you know, I did the normal thing. I went off and went to college and got married and had several careers and uh, came back this time about 15 years ago to uh, publish um, uh, Jim Ward's fourth edition of Metamorphosis Alpha. My brother and I had a tech startup at the time and we're walking around with a lot of stupid money and he was looking for an angel investor. So that's how Mud Puppy Games happened back uh, around 2006. 
And uh, we didn't know what we were doing and learned a bunch of stuff the hard way. So we did, did at least publish Metamorphosis Alpha 4th edition and uh, came back in again, again, uh, like 10, 12 years ago with the Marvin M.H. Uh, webcomic. And um, I don't, we're different ages, but when we first hit D&D &D in 79, we were evangelizing the holy hell out of that. Just anybody <laughs> that would listen. We got a uh, somebody's granny who ran a yarn shop in my hometown in Kentucky to start carrying the books and dragon magazine and minis so uh i never thought i could feel that way again and when about the time i was coming back in and i was shopping for a system uh was when dcc was in play test and then shortly thereafter came out and that system and what joseph goodman did with that gave me that feeling again where i just you know we i was one of the founding uh podcasters in the spellburn podcast it's been uh, taken over and run by a different crew now, you know, just to evangelize it. And uh, my second game I imprinted on after D&D &D was Gamma World. So that's where MCC came from. I just wanted to write the biggest Valentine to DCC and Gamma World I could. <laughs> so that Metamorphosis Alpha 4th Edition, it, where, where, I'm trying to, that's not the one that Goodman put out that's giant. That was before that, right? That they probably like had big oversized edition Goodman Games did. Yeah, right? the fourth edition was back 2006, and there's been a couple since then from different publishers. What uh, Joe did uh, right about the same time I sold him MCC was uh, I, he asked me, I, I'd asked Jim Ward to write the foreword for MCC, and Joe right. found out I knew him and asked for introductions. And those two got together. And then the, that big book jumped in front of mine, which is awesome and fine. <laughs> And that's a that's a deluxe reprint. I know it's expensive and it's huge, but it's got the old it's got the first edition rules in it, but then a whole bunch of extra stuff and articles and all the good stuff you want. I haven't been, I haven't picked that one. I picked up a few of those real nice like the one I got from Goodman that I love is that Grim that Grim's Tooth Traps. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just this massive hardback with every single issue of it in there. And that's a great thing to sit down and read when you're getting ready to run a game. <laughs> Players don't like me getting into it, but it's good. They got some good games they put out there at, at Goodman, and one of those is MCC. I play two. I have two characters in MCC. I have Glad Max as opposed to Mad Max. He's a he's a human barbarian. He's he's usually pretty happy about the situations, despite what they are, because he's Glad Max. And then I have Toady. I had a third one, Peaches, but I've lost the character sheet since. <laughs> but but uh, we've also so 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 Jake, you bastard. You, you... <laughs> Yeah, we started off the campaign, I think, with a total party kill, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I started off with the uh, Hive of the Undermine, and uh, or Overmine, I'm sorry. And with that one, there is a nuclear reactor, and they opened the door to the nuclear reactor and fried the whole party. So we had to retcon that situation because we all died because that was a TPK situation. Did we just roll up new yes. characters? No, we did a no. retcon. Oh. <laughs> I'm confused then. <laughs> I don't remember it correctly. I thought I rolled up all new characters for that. Maybe that was after our, our DCC. We ran DCC for, DCC for quite a while. It's a, um, you know, it's a, sometimes it, it, I mean, I parse it this way. Rules, <laughs> okay, you can debate civilly. Okay, this rule XYZ uh, result simulates this action better or not. But play style preference is something that's just hardwired in everyone's heads. And I, I take it we all share similar wiring because i just i was just, way back when dcc you know it was one book and three modules uh i was like trying to figure out funnels and it didn't seem like it would be fun and then i played one and then i got addicted to them and yeah. dude it doesn't matter in a funnel you kill all three of my characters i'll play the farmer's duck 
to the end. <laughs> we, and we've, and we've had that before. <laughs> didn't someone yeah. end up playing the pet pig? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> so within the uh, MTC game, you have like uh, what you call artifacts or artifact checks, which is pretty much um, technology that normal, um, you know, barbarians and villagers don't know how to use. So how did you come up with this uh, artifacts check idea for technology? Because artifacts in any other world would be considered, I guess, magical. But here it's more science and artifact. Uh, I just stole it from Jim Ward. I mean, the first mm-hmm. edition, I mean, it's in a different form, but the first edition of Gam World and several versions after that, uh, it was crazy. It was like this bizarre flow chart, like the way that the old timey guys used to uh, flow chart a program. And you didn't, there would be a dice roll at each juncture and a little brief, you know, it clicks or you blew yourself up. And I just <laughs> uh, took that and turned it into a D20 table you could roll on. Yeah, we uh, we love and hate the table at the same time. I think Jake loves it, and we're already very <laughs> apprehensive on rolling on the artifact table. If you're writing MCC adventures, it's you're well advised to remember that every artifact is almost also a monster, so you don't want to load them up with too much of both because a party can kill themselves. You know, it happens at a con game. They all crowd around while the guy checks the laser rifle on their first level, and bam, okay. Well, we're only, we still got three hours to go. So in parallel universe 48B, you didn't do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, because uh, that, that's happened to us quite a few times. So Jake likes giving us these fancy artifacts. And then um, the first couple of times that we got it, I think we blew ourselves up, you know, multiple times over. So now we send one person to go hide in the cave and then check the artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 pretty nice guy judge at con games because it's usually a mix of people and some of them will be brand new to the system or even to DCC MCC rules. But uh, and my home campaign, the original mutant murder hobos, man, I mean they 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 played hard and I GM'd hard, so you know every, <laughs> they 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 eventually got it down to a system. Okay, everybody back up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Our smartest guy with the best pluses is going to figure this out. Yeah. Our- our smartest guy in our current party, I think, has a, a Jake is intelligence of like a 14, maybe. Uh, yes. Uh, no, in 21, he has an intelligence of 21. Who's got an intelligence of 21? Who's an intelligence of 21? Um, one of Scott's characters, Smog the Mutant. Oh, I can't. Ah. I think he got the extra, um, heightened that's intelligence. What his bonuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he also got it from the uh, data orb. Oh, got it of Metakind. He, I, I definitely need to make sure that we're both there at game the same night. Next I'm just time. rubbing my hands together, man, because in my head it's going, okay. That's working just as planned. <laughs> so I, I think MCC is a perfect game for like one shots, cons, and parties. Because I know, like, before I had played it, a buddy of mine that lives just right up the street from here said that it was actually he went to a birthday party and they played MCC. And he was telling me about the adventure, how uh, it was actually Todd from Gateway Games who ran the game at that birthday party. <laughs> and he was telling me about the adventure and he's saying that uh, how he described all the, the creatures they found with their and, and essentially he was describing stuffed animals, but they had no idea at first. So they were freaking out, attacking stuffed animals and everything. <laughs> um, like, like there's a lot of fun stuff you can do with it, you know, like you're ignorant to what all these remnants are of the world. It's, it's kind of like that, that it is that post-apocalypse mutant devastated world kind of. You can. And once you get the hang of it, like running your own campaign or writing your own stuff for your own players, it's just D&D reskinned. So whatever you want to do, okay, 
the players had a great time with an intelligent sword. Well, here's a laser pistol with an AI that's a little obnoxious in it. You know, uh, uh, what about scrolls? Well, here's a data crystal and you pick it up and bang, it wires itself into your head kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's super easy to just take any of magic items and just reskin it or retheme it, too, if you really want to. I mean, there's not, there's nothing stopping you to that. You can use a lot of your DNA. And DCC, while DCC kind of does its own thing mechanically because it incorporates the, the, the malt, the DCC or MCC. I'm sorry, I'm confusing my games because <laughs> it incorporates the, the, a larger set of dice. Um, it, it does like 30s, 7s, and 14 sided dice and things along those lines. It's uh, it's not it, it's not that different or dissimilar from basic D and D you've played in the past. It's close enough that it's easy to pick up. Some of the magic works a little bit different and stuff like that with like random tables is about the biggest difference. I, I you know this is what makes the post apocalyptic genre such a, a good go to after medieval fantasy with dragons is that the uh, the genres just match so well. You're exploring. You're going underground and through ruins. You're going across hex crawls. You're fighting finding monsters killing them and taking their stuff that's different than say other science fiction games particularly uh tv and movie licenses they all they all have a point where they struggle okay we're gonna play doctor who the role-playing game now who gets to be the doctor (laughs) it's star trek okay who who gets to be the captain kind of stuff you know but the but just the okay we're a party of murder hobos or you know high-born heroes if you prefer you know it doesn't matter you know go from one to the other those two genres fantasy and post-apocalyptic seamlessly so what what games are you currently playing right now from a tabletop role-playing game uh mostly uh mcc because with the pandemic i'm just running con games the last couple of years but uh in the back burner i've got a superhero rpg called mega heroes that i've been working on for years now and i'm still working on and sometimes at cons i'll run that too so mega heroes is something that you have in the works that has not been published yet that's correct Okay, and is that like going to be a D100 system or D20 or a D6? I, this is why I'm late on this last Kickstarter because I get overambitious. So this last Kickstarter, I'm like, I'm going to do a giant-sized issue. Then I'm going to put the giant-sized issue in an even bigger hardback book. And that was a <laughs> lot more than I entailed on all that than I thought. So the superhero system, I'm trying to fix things that are inherent to that genre, which is mainly the... the uh, the powers and how all the powers work you know uh, i started with champions yep played mutants and masterminds um uh i'm really big fan of uh how uh marvel uh phase rip and uh, icons are both written and so i want i came up with a proprietary game system that's got enough d20 in it that you recognize it but uh i think better simulates a superhero action and the game engine works i've play tested it a lot at cons the uh but then i started running into all the same walls so i'm back retooling the engine so that the car drives down the track like i want it to no understand so what cons do you have coming up that we might be able to see you at uh next one for me is gamehole con all the way in october i just got back from north texas so i uh i won't be at gen con and uh, my big four every year uh Gary Con, North Texas Con, Gamehole Con, and uh, Total Con out in Boston way. Yeah, we've been talking about trying to get out to North Texas and Gary Con, you know, one of these years. Pandemic sort of screwed things up for us. So I think we need to try to make it to Gary Con in 2023. I think we need to do that as a game group. We get John and uh, Len from Miami. 
Miami line, and we need to all try to tr- make our way there and trek out that way <laughs> as a group. Well, it comes with my highest recommendation, obviously. It's, it's, I mean, it's the con that takes place in Mecca, right? For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually been to a convention of anything, of any sort, outside of home and garden conventions for work. <laughs> That's the extent of my convention interactions. I need to get out to some cons or something. All my gaming has always been just at our own tables. And until recently with the pandemic, when we went online, I had never played online with extended groups. It was always just my group at my table. (laughs) You know? Well, I don't twist your arm, but I I think it's (laughs) worth it because uh, weird things happened. One day, few years ago skater green and i are just becoming friends on social media with this uh kid i say kid he's like 23 or 4 now but uh this guy up in alaska and we talked him and his wife into coming down from alaska to north texas con for his first ever (laughs) game convention in the whole planet and now it's four years later and he's a hot dog artist in our little indie publishing niche end of the stuff i i i employ him all the time he's paysetter beats him up like no tomorrow and 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 you know that it's that easy you just stick your head in and meet people yeah i need i need to probably just need to start going to con I, i'm i'm just curious to check out what's there honestly i, I don't want to go to con without like you know a, a wad of cash in my pocket to go pick up a bunch of cool zines and neat little independent publications that i haven't seen yet that's what i oh, it's like yeah, i feel, I feel you brother i'm not rich you games. know <laughs> you send me a games. plane ticket and give me a hotel room okay i'm there <laughs> I'll take that too. <laughs> so with the uh, Mud Puppy games that you have right now, is the uh, Scientific Barbarian, you know, in progress in the work. So we'll be seeing the omnibus here soon. You said, yeah, exactly where that is. I, I don't know when this episode releases. The uh, the PDFs are are done. I've just got to configure them for the printers, so they'll go out to the backers probably in about a week from the time of this recording, and then shortly thereafter, the printers. Uh, it's two different books, so they're going to different printers, and the one that's gonna take the longest is obviously the one that has to be all smith bound and stuff i'm not sending it to china i'm having it printed by a company up uh, i think in wisconsin of all places oh wow okay great so in terms of some of your inspiration for like scientific barbarian you know what type of uh, reading material or inspiration they've been drawing from um the same this it's weird that you would say it just that way because i uh, uh mentor uh a number of young writers and artists and i tell them all they have one thing nobody else has and that's their unique well of media exposure so for me i'm an old guy it's you know uh damnation alley and uh the backsheet cartoon movie wizards and old commandy jack kirby comics (laughs) and uh, a lot of uh you know brian aldis and uh some of the some of the appendix end guys from the dungeon master's guide the Kirby stuff. You're are you a big so you make it a superhero role playing game. You're talking about Kirby comics. Are you a big comic guy too, or that? <laughs> I, I I was. I'm old now. I think the only comic <laughs> I buy regularly now is Knights at Dinner Table. But uh, okay. <laughs> so I'm a little. I'm like my my brother. I have a brother younger by two years, and he'll call me up. Who's Ms. Marvel? And I'm like, well, let's see. That was after I stopped <laughs> reading. Uh, I do my best. My, I think my comic collection, I can tell you the exact year I stopped reading and buying. Well, I didn't stop. I, I still will grab something here or there, especially digitally at Mark. But 2006 was the year my comic collection was sold. And I can't I can't stand or buy another comic after that. It kills me because I had a massive collection. And I, I started collecting in the early 80s. 
And I was a big Marvel guy and I love those old Kirby comics. I had tons of that stuff. I'd pick up at garage sales and oh, stuff well, back in the day. I mean, King Kirby is, is my main jam. <laughs> I mean, there's no bigger Kirby fan than me. I'm, I've been waiting my whole adult life for a decent Fantastic Four movie. And those Commandy comics, when they were brand new on the stands, I was like 12. So I was perfect for that. Yeah, I got, I got, I got human torch. I got thing in the, in the FF symbol there, but they're, oh, look they're at horrible. You. Cause we were, cause we were so, I was so young and they're so badly done. <laughs> they got daredevil too. We were supposed to get Reed and Sue eventually, but we never went back to finish that up. <laughs> but well, hopefully our Kirby. time will come. <laughs> They'll come eventually. I have to come up with some money and not, and not DIY it anymore. <laughs> that might be helpful. But yeah, I, I'm big into that old Kirby stuff. That's great. So from when you had uh, first published uh, or worked on published Mutant Crawl Classics, you know, you'd mentioned a little bit about your network of like uh, indie writers and uh, artists and such. So how, is the, how have you seen the gaming industry change over the years now since you when you first well got into gaming, oh my published God. MCC, and now you're doing Scientific Barbarian? Has MCC been out long enough? How long has it been out? It, well, see, it's, it's weird for me because I don't think it published to 2017, but I started on it in 2012. So that's 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm sorry. What was the question? So <laughs> how has, has the industry changed? How has the industry changed from a writer development game, you know, game developer perspective for you? It's just been an upward curve of opportunity that started before 10 years ago, but it just, uh, I mean, it goes all the way back to Steve Jobs and that first Macintosh where he's and the postscript laser printers where he's saying now the power of publishing is in the hands of the people. And it's just, you know, the technology has just risen to where we could all do that. I'll do this now. I mean, when I was a kid in the eighties trying to get printed, you were mailing stuff to people with a stamp and hoping they printed it. And I had no clue how to do that. It's all in everybody's reach now. Um, I would be negligent if I didn't uh, mention the Independent Publishers Union, which is an unfortunately named organization because we named it that right before the Paizo workers uh, unionized. So it's not a union. It's just <laughs> me, Skeeter Green, Jeff Talanian. Um, uh, oh, God, why does my brain do this? Ian McGarty and uh, uh, Rocky Gardner from uh, Silver Boulay, Skeeter Green Productions, uh, Levi Combs, Planet X. We're all just buddies. And we started, you know, doing our Kickstarters and advising each other. And, and hey, I've got a hard art, hot artist. You should try this person kind of thing. And then decided, hey, wouldn't it be great if we all just pitched in and did a booth at these cons? And uh, that kind of thing, I, I didn't see 10 years ago. Right, because uh, we've talked with Skeeter before. We, we should probably try to get hold of uh, Jeff Tulanian for Hyperborea, because that's one of our games that we play quite heavily as well, too. And it's very encouraging to see that, you know, there's a network of independent authors and developers that can get together and support each other versus being um, sold out to <laughs> some larger corporations, let's say. Well, okay. I mean, there's that, you know, like <laughs> I don't own MCC, but I, I'm an adult. I knew what I was doing. I, I sold Goodman Games the, the, the game and got paid what I got paid. And that's all fine. You know, I, I have no quibble with that. But uh, we're, uh, the, what unite, unifies the six of us is we're on that Gary Gygaxian, a rising tide raises all ships. We're all on that same page. And you wouldn't know that anybody in gaming is that way from social media when the truth is there's lots of us. We're just not as loud as the bad actors and cranky pants, you know, of the world. <laughs> and that's what we do. And then, and then, so then that just turns into a whole collective of us that are trading hot tips and helping people out. I mean, we're all individuals with our own different little 
scales and publishing goals, but I try every book to, I have like, well, let's just take artists, for example. I, I have a, a regular team of freelance artists that very kindly work for me, but inside that are some old guard, some uh, guys more your age, and then every book I try and bring in a couple of new people, you know, new artists. And, and give them a shot and there's an you know and it uh some work out some don't I don't care as long as you know I want I want to do better than was done to me when I was coming up through the ranks does that make sense no yeah for sure we want to make sure that the next generation that's coming up you know has better opportunities more options and uh hopefully you know a more diversity of games to be able to play as well too yeah see okay because that's that's one of my things but I don't like talking about it because I you know um uh, a diversity meme is just does fuck all on social media but i can sit in my company and be constantly scanning for okay women artists minority writers whatever and just hire them and pay them and get their work out there and i and that way i i can be the change instead of talking about the change or talking about how bad the problem is i just want to do something yep no we we appreciate that and we think there's a lot of stories to be told and having a diversity of creators helps more stories and makes it more interesting as well too well, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm solidly in Star Trek land. It blows. I'm old and I'm fighting it, but I'm getting cranky and curmudgeonly in my old age. And it just freaking blows my mind that people are saying Star Trek got woke. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even old enough. Star Trek. When Star Trek was on network TV, it was after my bedtime, so I saw it in reruns. But we're sitting there in the '70s, and that's our whole love for Star Trek was based on that stuff. Yeah, that uh, I mean, yeah, if you know anything about Gene Roddenberry, that's I don't know his place in history of that show. I don't know why anybody would say something like that. <laughs> Mind boggling. I'm not a Star Trek. Well, let me rewind. We watched original series growing up, and when Next Gen came out, we were we were super excited sat there and, and watched the first episode probably watched the first couple seasons and after that it kind of puttered out in my life <laughs> i'll just be honest i've come back and tried i watched most of the movies and, and series here and there i've been watching discovery and picard they're pretty cool star trek is exactly like pizza and sex even bad pizza and bad sex is not that bad <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> you obviously have not been to missouri and tried out emo's pizza st louis style because that'll make you question that phrase. <laughs> I'm sorry. What you, here's what you get with diversity. You get like, and it's an embarrassment of, of fucking riches right now because, you know, we had Star Trek reruns and Space 1999 and $6 million man. That was our TV science fiction when I was in high school. Yeah. And now there's a Star Trek for everybody. And I'm... Uh, I'm jamming on Strange New Worlds right now because it's like DCC. It's the Star Trek I didn't know I wanted. I haven't. <laughs> we haven't. We started to watch it, and something happened, and, and I got to get back and watch Strange New World. I'm, we're going to start it and watch it. I'll probably be all out before I watch it. <laughs> I'm going to catch up on Strange New Worlds eventually. I'm always behind on the TV. Um, but anyhow, we are coming close to the time. Could you tell the listeners where they can find you online, where they can pick up your works and whatnot? I'd be happy to. Uh, the Mud Puppy Games products are all at mudpuppygames.com. Um, it, we've got a web store and uh, we just uh, rigged it for international shipping on most of our books. Now, we carry other companies' books in our store and we can't do that, but uh, uh, we just... Uh, you, 
figured out how to use Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing to pu print publish our books anywhere in the world without it costing you $25 to get a $15 book. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on Facebook and uh, can easily be found there. You know, uh, if you friend me and uh, a constant stream of Doctor Who and gaming and Star Trek <laughs> post gets on your nerves, I'll understand. You can un you can unfriend me and unfollow me. My my secret is that the night that the '80s Foss and Doctor Who role playing game was my first role playing game. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm, 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 I'm also on a uh, podcast called Safe, the Safer Half Podcast. We're recording an episode later tonight, and we did an episode about that game. So if that's one you imprinted on, go, go find that old episode. I will, def I will definitely find it and listen to it, because I am a Doctor Who, like, it's, it's bad. <laughs> that's the two main ways. And uh, occasionally I do Kickstarters, but I've got to deliver this one before I can do the next one. Excellent. Excellent. It's been great having you on. Um, and, and hopefully you'll come back on in the very near future, if possible. <laughs> Anytime. I'm like the cat at the back door. You feed me once. I'll, I'll keep showing up. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll put out a can of tuna. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. And if you didn't enjoy it, um, listen to one that you might like more. <laughs> Uh, you can find us on Facebook, search Wildlies and Wizards. Wildliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Crom. And as always, keep those dice rolling. Roll those D24s and D30s.